Good morning. If you enjoy being in the Lord's house today. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I sure appreciate uh, everyone who contributes to the uh, to the music ministry of the church. What a joy it is to come and and be ministered to and, and led each week. Lynn, thank you for uh, for what you do and everyone else that uh, has participated this morning. Um, do want also to echo his words and, and uh, uh, let our guests know how honored we are that you have come today to, to be a part of the worship service. He mentioned the connection card. If, uh, if you wouldn't mind to help us get to know you and fill this out, put it in the offering plate when it comes by. Or even better, if you would stop by uh, the community room. We have a little room set up as you exit the sanctuary to the left. I'd love to get to meet you in person and to give you some information about the, about the, uh, about the ministries at First Baptist Church. Also, I want to bring to your attention, we of course have church in the park next week, uh, Sunday morning, 10 a.m., and we're praying for great weather, right, among all the other things that we're praying for. Um, and I want to ask you as you uh, leave today to make sure you pick up a few of these cards. Pick up five, six, however many you think you might be able to give away to neighbors and friends. Uh, this, this, we're going to be handing them out Wednesday, going across the uh, uh, the, the community, doing neighborhood uh, uh, canvassing and so forth. But you know the most effective way for someone to to be invited to a, to a church. Is, is by someone that they know personally. And, uh, and so if, if you would give them a card, even offer to meet them in the parking lot there at the park and sit with them and, and assist them with, with that, uh, this, this could be a day that, that, could, that could really reach out and minister to, to a number of families. First responders, obviously, are going to be honored. And so we look forward to being able to do that and to, to, uh, to appreciate them. But uh, you may have people that are on your heart that might have a harder time coming into a church on their first time, but might meet you out at Bluebird Park on a beautiful Sunday morning. So please take advantage of this opportunity and, uh, and please take these, uh, these invitations with you. The invite cards are in the back on the welcome table. Again, uh, take as many as you think you could be able to, to, to pass out and, uh, uh, we'll just pray that God will, will bless that day and use it for his glory in our community. Amen. Let me begin this morning by telling you a little bit about a man named William Carey. He's known as the father of modern missions, Baptist missionary who went to India, uh, known, uh, uh, as I said, as the father of modern missions. But you may have also uh, heard of one of his famous quotes, which uh, which is, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. And uh, that's that's part of how we understand who he is, and uh, and 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 saw that that was definitely a motto that uh, that led him in uh, in attempting and expecting great things for the Lord. Um, as he was a missionary to India, uh, he was working among the Hindu people, and came to understand that there was a practice there called the Sati S A T I system. It was a traditional Hindu practice where a widow would be burned at her husband's funeral at the same time that his body was cremated. Did you get that? Yeah, still alive. Husband passes away and they both are burned. It was Carrie's relentless battle against the Sati practice. For 25 years he battled against this, which finally led to an edict in 1829. They still mark that day as the edict of banning widow burning. This man had, uh, uh, was the first one to, to bring about a campaign to help uh, treat uh, those who had leprosy 
to end the practice also of burning them alive. It wasn't an easy road. Sometimes he would come against pressure and agitation by people who would cite uh, ancient Hindu scriptures that would validate the practice of sati. And uh, during his campaign, he was doing some statistics and he found that in one, just one short season of time, there were 300 widows burnt alive in and around Calcutta and 10,000 all over India, just in this one window of time. The practice was compounded because of, uh, of the time in which the Hindus also embraced polygamy. And on one occasion, William Carey documented 33 wives of one man being burned alive at his funeral. The practice made children orphaned without mother or father. In addition to abolishing the Saudi system, Kerry also protested against euthanasia, the practice, as I said, of burning lepers alive, other cultural institutions that oppressed women, like polygamy, female infanticide, and child marriage. Listen to a quote from the president of, uh, of, a, of a college in India. I'm not going to attempt to pronounce his last name. Uh, you see it there? <laughs> but this is what he said. William Carey was a great social reformer. When he witnessed Sati, the worst evil which prevailed at that time, he was horrified and dismayed. This morning, we continue in our series called Impact. Last week, our focus was upon thinking about how we as a church could impact our community, impact others to advance the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We looked at one another and recognized our role as local missionaries in our community. Today, as part of our focus upon impact, we're going to be considering how you and I can engage the culture that is around us. And in thinking about William Carey, both as a missionary, like we're called to be, but also as one who engaged the culture. He wasn't afraid to speak up against the evils of his day. He called them evil. He became familiar with the way people thought and how these practices came to be. Then he exposed them and he championed against them. In one case, as I said, for as long as 25 years before seeing something changed. And I have to wonder, if William Carey were alive today in the United States of America, what practices do you think would cause him to be horrified? Do you think he'd turn on the news and he would see people clothed in orange jumpsuits somewhere in the Middle East with a knife at their throat because they're Christians? Do you think that would horrify him? Do you think he would be horrified by seeing the images that we've now seen of five-year-old children washing up on the shore of a Greek island? Has anyone seen some of those pictures? Raise your hand if you've seen the pictures of these little children washing ashore. And I know immigration has all kinds of issues, but just ask yourself, what is it that these people are experiencing that would cause them that would cause them to take such a great risk. These are the people that we worked with in Athens. These are the people that we ministered to. We heard their stories of coming across on these, on these inflatable boats and on these, these, uh, these overcrowded uh, vessels that weren't seaworthy with their families. 
You think he would be upset about human trafficking? Think William Carey would say, listen to the statistics of people that are, that are being trafficked into the sex industry. Children sold as slaves. Do you think he would be upset about that? Do you think he would, do you think he would cry to hear the number of orphans in the world today? Some statistics say it, it may be approaching a hundred million children. I know we're, we're, we're isolated to a degree from some of that. We're not in, 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 in East Asia, Southeast Asia. We're not in, in Africa where the AIDS epidemic has ravaged entire villages. remember hearing a lady serving in Malawi talk about children just walking along the shores of the lake looking for things and no parents, just, just grouped together trying to care for each other, fend for themselves. I think Carrie would be bothered by that. What about the 8,500 children each day who die due to poor nutrition, undernourished, starving? Thinking about things here on the home front, how do you think he would respond to some of the things that, that have happened in our culture in recent days? Definitions of, of marriage. The videos that have come out over the last number of weeks exposing an organization known as Planned Parenthood. Not only involved in, in, the, uh, in the abortion trade, but also in the harvesting and selling of body parts of babies harvested out of their mother's womb. Did you hear that last statement? Happening where? Somewhere out there? No, happening right here. In the country that proclaims the life, liberty, in pursuit of happiness for all citizens, for all people. Proverbs chapter 6, beginning in verse 16, says, There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to Him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and what does that last part say? Hands that do what? Shed innocent blood. So maybe the better question isn't what William Carey would think, right? But what does the Lord God think about these things? Is he horrified by what is taking place? Folks, I want to tell you today, I want us to call one another to pray for the soul of our nation, which is in crisis. If we want to truly engage the culture, today's the day for us as a church to consider what's happening, to take personal responsibility. To be repentant in our own hearts and to be involved in the process to end the shedding of innocent blood. And I already know that there are some that are probably here today. You're saying, Pastor, could you not find something else to speak on today? I know there's some that are uncomfortable. But I want to say a couple things about that. First of all, I will stand before God someday and give an account for what I preached on what I speak on and what I don't speak on I will give account and I'll just tell you at the front today's message is going to be hard-hitting to me as well as all of us now next week next week's message is not going to be hard-hitting okay we're going to be in the park it's going to be an outreach event you don't have to worry it's not going to be a hard-hitting message next week 
But today it's going to be. Because it's time. And we need to listen to these things and we need to consider them as followers of Jesus Christ. The soul of our nation, our culture, they must be engaged. Last month I participated in a nationwide conference call for pastors. I shared this in the Wednesday night prayer meeting. Gave them some things to pray about. And I appreciate that group who prays for our nation every Wednesday afternoon, among other things. This conference call was with 100,000 pastors who called in live at one time to one number. Actually, it was done online with an access code. To hear about specific legislation that would be brought before Congress at the end of this month or the beginning of next. The legislation will call for the complete defunding of Planned Parenthood. This is the main motivation for my message today and the timing of it is that I want us to know what's happening and I want us to be involved and engaged in the process. I realize that other pieces of legislation have failed, but there are other attempts that will be uh, attempted soon. Turn with me, if you would, to Proverbs chapter 24. This will be our text for the day. We'll look at verses 10, 11, and 12. We're going to read about people who are who are being taken to the slaughter. And the text doesn't describe what that slaughter is. We don't know exactly what these people were in danger of. But we think, I think, that it would apply to any who are being taken to death who do not deserve it. And we see within this text our responsibility. Proverbs 24, beginning in verse 10. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling, literally slipping, to the slaughter. If you say, Behold, we did not know this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? And will he not repay man according to his work? Are these people victims of vigilante justice? Are these people captives from war who are about to be destroyed? Is it an innocent person being accused in court? Is it a murder in the streets? Is it a child sacrifice to pagan gods? The text doesn't say what the specific situation is. Only that there are those who are about to die who ought not die. This is typical of biblical Proverbs. They're often general guidelines of how our faith in God, of how our fear in the Lord works itself out in everyday life. God expects us to have spiritual wisdom and enough awareness of His Word and an understanding of the times in which we live to be able to apply His Word in these cases. The first point this morning, coming from verse 10, is to understand the times. If you look again at verse 10, it says, If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. So the idea is that someone would have an understanding that they are living in a time of adversity, a day of adversity. 
And so to be able to understand the times, we have to be informed of what's going on around us. We have to be aware. We have to be concerned. We have to we have to know what is what is taking place in our world, in our nation, in our culture. We're certainly in a day of adversity when it comes to the sanctity of human life. Would you agree? We looked at this this last spring. We had Bridget Van Meads from from Thrive come and encourage us about work that's happening here locally and and even in other places in our nation. The adversities that are out there are significant. There is quite a battle that's there. Many of us are familiar with Planned Parenthood. We know about this organization. We know what their agenda is. We know that they destroy life. They define it as a choice. But what I didn't realize until recent months was that they were actually selling body parts of babies. That there was financial incentive to retrieve certain organs, certain parts. That there were, that there were meetings taking place to make plans prior to an abortion to make sure that certain steps were taken and individuals they'd be willing to pay even more to make sure that certain things could happen. Look at this next picture. This is a video. There's been five. I think there'll be 12 that will be released. But this is the fifth one, the most recent one. How many of you all, please raise your hand if you've heard about these videos. Most, most of you have. I hope, I hope that you will take 15 minutes and watch video five. You can find it online. I'll help you find it if you need if you need assistance. Watch what is taking place. Particularly if you're here this morning, you say, why is Pastor Ryan dealing with this? And you think that maybe this isn't the wisest decision. Watch the video. Watch the video. Take a few minutes and, and become informed on what's happening. And then maybe it will resonate with you why I am just so very upset about what is taking place. The video was produced by the Center for Medical Progress. And it's a, it's a, it was an investigation and a documentary of what is happening with the sale of aborted babies. The lead of the project is David Deleden. And he says, this is now the fifth member of Planned Parenthood leadership discussing payments for aborted baby parts. Planned Parenthood's system-wide conspiracy to evade the law, which they document the law, and make money off aborted fetal tissue is now undeniable. He continues, Anyone who watches these videos knows that Planned Parenthood is engaged in barbaric practices and human rights abuses that must end. There is no reason for an organization that uses illegal abortion methods to sell baby parts and commit such atrocities against humanity to still receive over $500 million each year from taxpayers. Did you get that? Let me ask you this question. How many of you all pay taxes? Take 15 minutes, please. We are responsible for being informed. This is the day of adversity. Now is not the time for the people of God to be silent. We must be champions for life. I receive all kinds of periodicals 
for pastors and for ministries that that that, that speak of of what is of, of of what's happening in the world today, and I have been amazed at how many of these periodicals have been absolutely silent about some of what is happening, thinking about other things. Not all of them; many of them are are, are, are helping. That's even in, in preparing the message today, there were many that I could reference and look to. But we we cannot any longer be uninformed. Let me ask you this question. You feel like we're almost in a, in a, in a dialogue today with a, a Q&A, right? How many of you all have heard the name Cecil the Lion? Anybody heard of Cecil the Lion? Hunted down in Africa by a dentist from the Minneapolis area. Went all over the place. A whole lot of people are upset about Cecil. A lot of people exploded Twitter and Facebook and all other forms of social media about Cecil. But you know what was happening at that same time? These videos from Planned Parenthood were coming out. And not everyone was excited enough to to share about this. Let our voice be heard for the voiceless. Verse 10 says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Let's put the word faint up on the screen for a minute. There's a, uh, this is a, uh, a very key word here in verse 10. It's a uh, Hebrew word, rafa, and uh, translated in the ESV, faint. But I don't know if faint is a strong enough word. Look at how, how commentators and Hebrew linguists define this word, rafa. They speak of, of failing, of being feeble. Being idle. Being weak. So yeah, faint is one of those definitions. But think of it in the fullness of what is trying to be communicated here in the text. And let it not be said of us that we were faint or weak or feeble. Or that we have forsaken this cause. So yes, we must We must understand the times in which we live. Secondly, we must respond with action. Look at verse 11. It says, rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. Again, verse 11, a general statement. It's general so that we don't limit it to one group. How would we have interpreted this verse in the days prior to World War II? How would we have interpreted this verse? As a call to action. Any ideas? Thinking about what? The Holocaust, right? Six million Jews and other undesirables going into camps where they would be killed. It aroused the sleeping giant, didn't it? The United States of America responded in that time. We must not limit this passage to young people or old people, healthy people or sick people, rich people or poor people. It's not general, it's specific. It is general, it's not specific, but it can be specifically applied. So what does it teach us? It's teaching us that if there are a group of humans being taken away to death that do not deserve that, then those who fear the Lord ought to try to rescue them. What is being called here is a kind of intervention. Do we see it in the passage here? Rescue. Help. Be involved. 
Don't be weak. Don't faint. Don't stand idly by. But be intentionally responsive. You see, there's a difference between us feeling sorrow and truly repenting. Because repenting is a 180, which is a change not only of belief, but also of action. And so for us to be horrified today is one thing. For us to be sorrowful is one thing. But for us to demonstrate repentance as a church means that even our actions will be impacted by this information. Recent videos that I've already alluded to are exposing evil to the light of day. There are many right now that understand what's happening. And I believe it is time for us to lead the way in ushering in a time of repentance. This phone call with 100,000 pastors that I alluded to at the beginning of the message had a piece of information for us that I thought was right on. Listen to what this quote is. The turnaround begins in a spiritual arena, not the political arena. Waiting for the soul of a nation to be changed by the election of a political leader postpones your repentance and ignores God's word. So there is a call to action. Repentance demands it. Proverbs 21.31 is an interesting verse. It says, The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. Is that not an interesting passage? Because we could say, yes, the victory belongs to the Lord. He will be triumphant. Sovereign God can bring about a victory. But notice the first part of the verse. Do you see that somebody did something to prepare the horse for battle? And through that, God blessed. God used that preparation. God worked through the one that was involved and active. And He secured the victory. And I would say, church, we can't know what the outcome will be. But we can indeed prepare the horse for battle. So what do we do? Let me give you three things. As we think about responding with action, the first one is this. As I've already said, be informed. You say, well, how can I be informed? We, we know that even things like the, uh, the Planned Parenthood videos, they have been kept. They've been kept under the radar of some of the media. They've not wanted that to be front page. They've not wanted that to have a lot of time. There's statistics that show just how little time these got in certain parts of the media. So we have to expand beyond just what's typical media. First Baptist Church of Ellisville cooperates with the Southern Baptist Convention. We're proud of, of, of the cooperation. And there are resources that are available for us. And one of them is a news agency called Baptist Press. BPnews.net. I want to write that down. I look at it probably weekly. BPnews.net. Uh, we have an Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. You may remember for many years, uh, Dr. Richard Land and his work. Now it's, uh, it's uh, uh, Dr. Moore, 
that's that's now leading leading uh, the ERLC out of Washington D.C. And you can go. I think it's ERLC. Well, just just look for. It. I think it's .org, but uh, Ethics Religious Liberty Commission. Then the last thing I want to mention is something right here in the state. This is this is the state newspaper called the Pathway. It comes out twice a month. And if you'd like to receive it in your mailbox, do you know how much the subscription is? Yeah, I think it's free. Because you're in, at the end of the subscription page, just tell them what church you're a part of, and it's covered. Go to mbcpathway.com. Click in the upper right-hand corner to subscribe. Fill out the form. It'll come to your mailbox twice a month. If you want to stay informed of what's going on, these folks are doing a great job, a great job of, uh, of providing information. Be informed. Secondly, be vocal. Be vocal. This isn't a time for silence. As I think back about William Carey, I think, thank, thank God that, that even as he was promoting the gospel and winning souls to Christ, he was not silent about the issues of that culture, was he? Aren't you glad of that? It was an extension of his gospel belief. And I think rightly for us that it should be an extension of our faith in Christ and his gospel as well. We have to be vocal. Go to defundtoday.com as I have. Put in your zip code and find out who to write to. There are links for our two senators and our member of representative of, of Congress. And I, I believe that to the, on those links are, are actual ways where you can send emails, you can figure out exactly how you want to correspond. But I believe that if we as a church had a few hundred letters go to these people in Congress as legislation is coming, it would be on their minds a little more than if we're silent. Folks, I've been here 15 months. I don't know that I've ever asked you to do something like this before. Correct me if I'm wrong. I, I just don't remember that I've ever asked this before. But today I'm asking. You may want to think about companies as well. I was delighted to hear that Kohl's and Enterprise Rental Car and others have said, we're, not, we're no longer going to support Planned Parenthood. Good for them. If I get a choice on a rental car, I know who I'm going to pick now. Maybe, maybe information up to their people to say thank you for taking a stand might be appropriate as well. We have a Coles right here in Ellisville. Now, frankly, as I saw the list on Toys R Us, I thought, why in the world would they ever support Planned Parenthood? I mean, even, I mean, not even just from a moral standpoint, just from a, from a business standpoint. Is that good practice? Gee whiz. Be prayerful. A praying church mobilizes an army of repentant people calling on God to use us as His church to be His instruments, yes, to reach people for Christ, but also to bring a wayward culture back to the Father. How do we pray? We pray with repentant hearts. We repent. We pray for revival and spiritual awakening. And I do think it's important also to pray for our leaders. There's a mandate there to do that. To pray for Congress, to pray for our president, to pray for our current and future leaders. Yes, pray for them. 
Samuel Chadwick, who uh, was in the late 1800s, early 1900s, said it this way. The one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, and prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, mocks at our wisdom, but trembles when we pray. We pray individually, we pray as families, we pray together as a church. And in a few minutes, when we're done with the message, I'm going to invite you to to pray. To pray about this matter. And that won't be... That'll be praying earnestly prayers of repentance and praying about this issue. And if you're able and willing to kneel or come to the front and pray, I'm going to ask you to do that. That we would pray together. But let's look at verse 12 quickly and see our final point. Ignorance is no excuse. Look at verse 12. If you say, behold, we did not know this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? So verse 12 anticipates that there will always be some people who raise the idea that they didn't do anything to rescue someone because they did not know about it. Verse 12 addresses that. Even our hearts, the Lord knows. And this excuse does not hold up in God's court of law. He sees through all of our rationalizations. He knows perfectly when we have neglected our duty out of ignorance or out of laziness or out of fear or apathy or being preoccupied with lesser things. He knows that. God knows our hearts. When we are called to account for our actions at the judgment, He might say something like, why didn't you act this way if you knew this much? He might say, why did you allow yourself in view of how much was at stake to remain in such insensitive ignorance? Might he ask that? He weighs the heart. As I close, I want to share something that I read years ago. I was asked to contribute to a devotional book a few few years back, and I included this as a summary of, of the devotion that I wrote. And it goes back to the days of the Holocaust in Nazi Germany. So likely the early 1940s, something along that line. Here's how this German man penned these words, and I quote, I always considered myself a Christian. I attended a church since I was a small boy. We had heard the stories of what was happening to the Jews. But like most people, we tried to distance ourselves from the reality of what was really taking place. What could anyone do to stop it? A railroad track ran behind our small church. And each Sunday morning we would hear the whistle from a distance. And then the clacking of the wheels moving over the track. We became disturbed when one Sunday we heard cries from the train as it passed by. The people on the train saw the church, saw that it was filled with people, and cried for help from the Christians during their time of worship. We grimly realized that the train was carrying Jews. Week after week, that train whistle would blow. We would dread to hear the sound of those old wheels because we knew that the Jews would begin to cry out to us as they passed our church. It was so terribly disturbing. We could do nothing to help these poor people. 
Yet their screams tormented us. We knew exactly at what time that whistle would blow. And we decided the only way to keep from being so disturbed by the cries was to start singing our hymns. If some of the screams reached our ears, we'd just sing a little louder until we could hear them no more. Years have passed, and no one talks about it much anymore. But I still hear that train whistle in my sleep. I can still hear them crying out for help. God, forgive us all who called ourselves Christians, yet did nothing to intervene. Let's not just sing a little louder. I'd like for us to take time to pray. Prayers of repentance. Prayers asking for God to bring about a spiritual awakening in our land. Praying for revival. For those who are able, I'm going to invite you to the front. Let's kneel before the Lord. For those who want to stand, the, the, the decision is yours. But before we do any offering, before we do anything else, we're going to pray. Brian Tachik is going to play softly on the piano. And I'm going to invite you, if you're able, to come. Let's take a few minutes to pray, and then I'll close our time in just a few moments.
Jesus, how far have we fallen to have to have this kind of conversation today? God, forgive us and help us. Would you restore this land? Would you restore the churches of this country? Father, we pray for these babies, these young mothers. We pray for this, that, Lord, you would renew it. That by the beauty of your gospel, you would rebirth something brand new. But now, Father, we pray that this will be a time of action. Knowing that it very likely could also be a time of judgment. We pray for our leaders and we pray that they will not faint Lord may you continue to have your way with us use us help the words impact and not be a slogan but may they be genuine words of a church that seeks to make a difference for your glory in your kingdom and in this world Hear our prayers. May you receive them from repentant hearts. For it's in Jesus' name that we prayed. And all of God's people said, Amen. Thank you.